This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The 2023 NFL Draft Divisional Recap Podcast Series continue. Up tonight is the NFC South. If you have missed the previous four episodes, please make sure you get back and check out them. I have covered the NFC and AFC East. I have covered the AFC South. I have covered the NFC North. And tonight we will be going team by team in the NFC South. So let's kick it right off with the Atlanta Falcons in round one at pick eight overall. It took Texas running back B. John Robinson in the second round at pick 38 overall. They traded up to take Syracuse offensive lineman Matthew Bergeron. In the third round at pick 75, they took Ohio State edge Zach Harrison. In the fourth round, they took Utah cornerback Clark Phillips the third. In the seventh round, at pick 224, they took Alabama safety DeMarco Helms. And in the seventh round, pick 225, they took South Carolina offensive guard, uh, offensive guard Jovenin Gwynn. They traded some picks away, fifth rounder, uh, and some other picks. They moved around. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda for that fifth round pick. They moved up. They, they traded a pick to move up to get Matthew Bergeron as well. So that's why a little bit less there in, in terms of the pick volume. My favorite pick was B. John Robinson, and I get it. The positional value stuff, I understand it all. There's question marks in Atlanta. Is Desmond Ritter the long-term answer? I, I think those are legitimate questions. But the truth of the matter is, even as the draft played out, there was no quarterback left for Atlanta at pick eight unless they loved Will Levis. And I don't think that was the case. I don't think he fits what they want to do there. I was on record as saying if they had a chance at a guy like Anthony Richardson, I think it would have been foolish to take B. John over him. But he wasn't even there. They They weren't in a place where they thought the big move up was the year to do it just yet. Maybe they didn't have conviction in a guy. But what I do understand is that this draft class lacked true blue chip players. And B. John Robinson is a true blue chip player. And he's the cleanest of the blue chip players in this draft class because it was him and it was Jalen Carter. And we know about the stuff with Jalen Carter that surrounded him and, and the question marks that are about him in terms of his work ethic, his character, stuff like that. There's none of those words with B. John Robinson. He, in so many ways, is, is similar to what Saquon Barkley was coming out as a prospect. For me, personally, he's the best running back prospect that I've scouted here at Saturday Sunday with Saquon Barkley, hands down. Three-down player, can impact the, the passing game, can run inside, can run outside, can run with power, can run with speed, can make people miss. He's going to be the identity of that Atlanta Falcons offense. Three consecutive years, top 10 picks. They have spent on really talented skill players from Kyle Pitts to Drake London and now the B. John Robinson. They are giving Desmond Ritter every opportunity to succeed with three really talented skill players and a great offensive line. So many young quarterbacks fail because they either don't have the proper playmakers. They have a poor coach who doesn't understand how to construct a scheme that fits their traits and their strengths. Or they have a poor offensive line. Well, Atlanta has basically gone check, check, check. Great great skill players, great running attack, great offensive line, and a great play caller uh, they have. So they have everything in place 
to see what Desmond Ritter can be. Do I think he's the long-term answer? No, but the NFC is wide open. The NFC South is wide open. So I think Atlanta has a real shot to win that division. They'd be my pick to win the division. And that's with Desmond Ritter just being an average quarterback. If he can be above average, if he could be what Colin Kaepernick was to San Francisco way back when, who, who my, that was my comp for Desmond Ritter. I think the, I think they could even be better than they are. And I think that, all goes back to this B. John Robinson pick where I applaud them for making the pick. They, maybe they could have got cued and moved back and picked up another asset and still got B. John, but we don't know. The Lions took Jameer Gibbs at 12. So there, there wasn't a lot of wiggle room there for them to potentially make a move and still get B. John Robinson. Uh, I don't think there was another blue chip player there. They could have won cornerback. There's other places they could have went. Don't worry about down the line, the positional value stuff. Five years they got a franchise tag if they need for six, and then figure it out down the line. In terms of value pick, Clark Phillips, the third. If he would have went late round two, early round three, nobody would have been surprised with that. That was where he was predicted to go. So the fact that he was sitting there in the fourth round at pick 113, to me, they got a nickel corner, arguably the best nickel corner in the draft. If, you, if you're going to count Quan Martin and Brian Branch as more safety cornerback hybrids, they could theoretically have gotten one of the best nickel corners in this entire draft in Clark Phillips. I think he's going to be a guy that could immediately earn playing time and quickly take over that position. You know, obviously they have a lot of guys that, you know, that he's going to have to kind of sort things out with. And fourth round picks aren't going to be handed anything. But I think Clark Phillips is going to be a starter if you consider that nickel position a starter like I do. I love the Clark Phillips pick. Uh, I probably should even have for favorite pick also Matthew Bergeron. I know the trade up, you know, they had to give up a, a pick to move up there and get Matthew Bergeron. But, the, you know, post draft, we saw videos that the Cowboys were trying to decide between Matthew Bergeron and Mozzie Smith. I think they. I think I understand why they went Mozzie Smith, especially for their division. But I think Matthew Bergeron would have been the better pick. I think he's got more upside. I think this is a guy who could be a, a an All Pro caliber type guard. I think he's got that kind of skill set in him. You know, if he needs to play right tackle, I think he could be a good right tackle. But I think he could be a really good high level potential Pro Bowl or All Pro caliber guard. I think he fits that scheme perfectly. I love when the pick. And the player mesh perfectly, and I think that's what Matthew Bergeron does there with Atlanta. You know, just continuing to fortify that line in, in terms of the identity that they want their football team to be, which is this power-running football team. And that's going to set up a lot of play action and hopefully set up Drake London, Kyle Pitts making plays too, and then being a little bit more willing to push the ball vertically and, and take advantage of those weapons. Uh, and I think Bergeron helps there. So Bergeron pick great, Bijan pick great, Clark Phillips pick, you know, love the value there. My questionable move, if I'm going to say one thing that I think is a little bit questionable, is Zach Harrison wasn't a universal top 100 player. He was one of those guys that was borderline late round three, early round four. So maybe they maybe they reached a little bit at pick 75. Maybe, you know, he was more of a late round three but this was a guy who came to Ohio State as a highly regarded five-star st- five prospect that was supposed to be an elite player at Ohio State and never materialized, but he did play his best uh, college ball down the stretch of this past season. He's got freakish length. He's got athleticism. There's a lot of traits there to work with. 
and they were looking for that power defensive end type player. I think Harrison offers that. So I think it might have been a little early. I think that's the one thing I can question about their draft. Because uh, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of Bijan at pick eight. There was no quarterback there that I believed in. And I'm sure they saw it similarly. Uh, so for me, I'd question the Zach Harrison pick a little bit. But, but nothing that I, I don't think it was too far reached. If we keep this moving and go to the Carolina Panthers, obviously a lot, not a lot of draft capital because they use a lot of draft capital to move up from nine to one to take Alabama quarterback Bryce Young at number one overall. In the second round, they get him some help. At pick 39, they take Mississippi wide receiver Jonathan Mingo. In the third round, they take Oregon edge DJ Johnson. In the fourth round, they take NC State offensive guard Chandler Zavala. In the fifth round, they take Florida State uh, safety nickelback Jamie Robinson. My favorite pick is Bryce Young. The conviction to go up and get him. I know they gave up a lot, and I think they paid handsomely to go up. But as we saw this draft play out, there was a real chance that no quarterback was going to be there at nine except Will Levis. And I right now, the Carolina fan base, people in terms of what you think about Carolina, if it was Will Levis, the pick at number nine, I don't think there'd be a lot of buzz about Carolina. I don't think people would be think they're on the way to maybe turning this around. So I applaud them for making the bold move to go up and get Bryce Young. Yes, it costs. They they paid the price it is to move up. It hurt to, to lose DJ Moore, but I do think DJ Moore I think is a very good player. I think the perception in terms of draft Twitter is that he's a great player, and I'm not sure he's great. I think he's a very good player. I don't think he's great. I think Jonathan Mingo could replace a lot of the after-the-catch stuff. I think DJ Moore is better than Jonathan Mingo. But I like Jonathan Mingo. I, I think his he was one of the guys in this draft class that had the size and athleticism, played to that size, played to that athleticism. I don't care about his college stats. I don't care about his market share and all that nonsense because the NFL loved this guy. There were rumors that he could go even late round one because people were into him. I've heard the comps at athletically in size to you know AJ Brown and Debo Samuel and I came on this air and said I don't I don't buy it he's not that level of player but I understand the stylistic comps and I think he ends up now here in a great situation they only have DJ Chark and Adam Thielen so there's a lot of targets there to be had right off the bat they have nothing locked in long term they don't have their first round pick next year so they're going to give Jonathan Mingo every opportunity to become one of the major weapons in this offense soon sooner rather than later and I think Bryce Young is the type of quarterback who's very good playing off structure problem solving I think that's going to be I think that's going to be a, a a player that Bryce Young's really going to mesh well with with Jonathan Mingo because Jonathan Mingo is going to be the guy who receives the ball in the perfect place to turn into a runner after the catch. Bryce Young is very good at at buying time in the pocket and that's going to allow Jonathan Mingo to use that strength and physicality to get a little space when he needs it and then find them. I think they're going to I think they're going to be a really good duo there. So those would be the guys that I would say uh I love those two picks right there. I think they got some really good value picks. Chandler Zavala I know there might have been some medicals that dropped him to the fourth round, but there were people who thought late round two to somewhere on round three was a lock for Chandler Zavala. He was in everybody's top 100. Everyone was projecting him to go day two. They potentially got a starting offensive guard at pick 114. He ends up playing right next to his former teammate, Iggy Aquanu. So I, I really like that pairing there. Adds another guy who's going to really fortify uh, that offensive line, hopefully in front of Bryce Young. Jamie Robinson, there were people who thought he could slide into the end of round three or early portion of round four, but the safeties just kind of fell in this draft class. Even, you know, even a guy like him, like a hybrid player like that, you know, we, we also saw 
Sewer with Antonio Johnson and Jamie Robinson, guys who we both thought could go round, late round three, ended up falling to the fifth round. So I really like that pick. I think he can compete for a starting job. I mean, I, I look at this draft class and I think they could legitimately have four guys that start. And then I'll go to my questionable pick. I thought DJ Johnson at pick 80 was a little early. He wasn't in a lot of people's three-round mocks. He wasn't really up high at pick eight, near 80 in the consensus board. Most people thought he was an intriguing pass rushing prospect, more of a, a, a early day three or around four. So maybe they reached a half a round to a round on DJ Johnson. So that would be the one thing I would question. But all in all, I really like what the Panthers did there. I know they had limited picks, uh, but the, the bold move up, getting their guy, uh, I think they did a really strong job. If we take this to the Saints in the first round, pick 29 overall, they took Clemson defensive tackle Brian Breesey. In the second round of pick 40, they took Notre Dame edge Isaiah Foskey. In the third round, I picked 71. They took TCU running back Kendry Miller. In the fourth round, I picked 103. They took Old Dominion offensive guard Nick Saldaveri. In the fourth round, they also took a pick 127 Fresno State quarterback Jake Hayner. They traded in back into the round to get him. In the fifth round, they took Minnesota safety Jordan Howden at 146. And in the sixth round, I picked 195. They took Wake Forest wide receiver A.T. Perry. My favorite pick was Kendry Miller. I think Alvin Kamara probably will be serving a six-game suspension this year, and I could easily see him no longer being a member of the Saints following this year. I know they went out and got Jamal Williams, but I think I think Kendry Miller's got a real chance to work his way into significant playing times in year one and potentially be the starter of a or the lead of a committee by year two. The NFL was very high. I was telling people days before the draft, uh, Friday morning before round two kicked off, that Kendry Miller was going tonight and going higher than people thought. I said he had a real chance to be the RB4, and he ended up being the RB4 in this draft class. Kendry Miller had a lot of fans at the NFL level. I think they like his three-down capabilities and his three-down skill set. That was clearly my favorite pick. If I was going to say another one, even though I don't have it listed here, I would say Isaiah Foskey at pick 40. I think once you got to that second round, it was kind of like pick your pick your choice of ice cream, basically, in terms of the edge rushers. Somebody might have liked B.J. Ojolari more. Somebody might have liked Foskey more. Somebody might have liked Hall more. You know, it was really what you preferred. So I thought Foskey was a good pick. It, it gives them another pass rush guy off the edge so I, I like that pick uh, I like the Kendry Miller pick in terms of value pick I would say uh, A.T. Perry in the sixth round a lot of people thought late round three to early round four I ended up not putting him in my top 100 uh, you know projection but I did he was on one of the, the top 10 guys that just missed for me I would have said early round four is where A.T. Perry's going so for them to get him in the sixth round I pick 195 He's got true X size. He's got he's got decent speed. He's got some movement skills. He can win vertically down the field. And this draft just didn't have a lot of guys who can do that. I, I'm still not sure why he fell that far. Even if there were some concerns about separation, you know, for him to fall that far in a class that was lacking a lot of outside perimeter wide receivers, you know, with ball skills, it, it was surprising to see him fall that way. So I really like that pick. For me, the questionable pick is Brian Breesey. I just, I, I, you know, listen, I know former big-time five-star recruit was supposed to be this elite player. He had a great first year in Clemson and then has battled injuries, has battled some off-the-field tragedy uh, with the loss of his sister. But I, I just thought it was a little too high. I didn't think the, the Saints roster where they were right now as a franchise 
was in a position to take a guy with a high risk and high reward in terms of him just not making it uh, as Breesy. I thought there were guys there that that could have, you know, whether it was Brian Branch or somebody like that who could have just been locked in as a really good starting player and you knew what you were going to get. Even if you wanted to stay along the defensive line, I think there were other guys that, that I preferred ahead of Breesy there. So that was the one that I would question the most. But I like the Kendry Miller pick. I like the I like the Foskey pick. I thought the Nick Saldaveri pick in the fourth round was solid. The value pick of A.T. Perry was good. I'm not a huge Jay Kaner fan, especially since they had to trade up and give up, I think, future draft compensation to get another pick in the fourth round for Jay Kaner. But listen, everyone's looking for this year's version of Brock Purdy, right? But they just signed Derek Carr. Maybe they look at Hayner as a guy who could be the backup as soon as this year, maybe. And then, you know, down the line, who knows? Do they like him enough to, to give him a chance to start? I was a little surprised by the quarterback run early in day three, but everyone's looking for a cheaper alternative. And I think we're going to see a lot more quarterbacks start going, getting drafted in the NFL. And I see a lot more in that round four, round five range as teams find their favorites and hope that these guys can become backups. They're not looking for starters there. If they find a starter, yeah, they, they'd be ecstatic. But but backup quarterbacks that are functional and competent cost a lot of money. So they looked at Hayner as a guy that was worth that investment, even if it gave up it gave up a future pick to get another fourth rounder to get him. So that's what they're looking at him as probably a backup quarterback, and we'll see down the line. A.T. Perry, you know, they're going to look at him and throw him into the mix there. I think Saldaveri has a chance to start down the line there for them. I think Foskey will be a starter. I think Kendrick Miller could be a starter or the lead of the committee. So I think I think they did some really good things there too. It's just that first pick, you know, I thought there were other ways they could have go that would have been a little bit less risky. And I think for the Saints franchise, that would have been the slightly better way to go. If we keep this going and... Rounded out with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tampa Bay Bucks at pick 19 in the first round took Pittsburgh defensive tackle Kalaja Kansi. In the second round at pick 48, they took North Dakota State offensive guard Cody Mock. In the third round, they took Louisville edge Yaya Diaby. In the fifth round, they took Pittsburgh linebacker uh, Servakia Dennis. In the fifth round, they also took Purdue tight end Payne Dorham. In the sixth round, they took Kansas State cornerback Josh Hayes. In the sixth round, they also took Nebraska wide receiver Trey Palmer. In the sixth round, they took Eastern Michigan edge Jose Ramirez. My two favorite picks by far, their first two picks, Kalaja Kansi, Cody Mock. I thought Kalaja Kansi was a top 12-ish player in this draft class. If he would have went top 10, uh, I, I would not have, have called it a reach. I love his upside. I love his game. We've seen so many guys, those smaller undersized defensive tackles, if, as long as they have good technique and good hand usage with that explosiveness, I think they could be impact players. I'm not saying it's going to be the next Aaron Donald, but maybe it's the next Hargrave. There's other guys who are on the smaller side uh, who've became really, really good players. I really like the Claude Jacanti pick. Uh, Cody Mock, versatility. He can play tackle. He can play center. He can play guard. I think he's a plug-and-play, you know, eight-year type guy on the offensive line. Really rock-solid pick. They needed that. I thought Yaya Diaby in the third round was a, was a solid pick. We, he, very athletic guy. We knew he was rising in the pre-draft process. My favorite value pick was Trey Palmer. For a while, there was a lot of buzz that Trey Palmer maybe could go somewhere late round three. I wasn't projecting that. I didn't see a lot of people except some mocks that had three rounds. I, but I thought he was going to be an early round four guy. I thought former five-star recruit, the athleticism, the speed, the explosiveness. I thought Trey Palmer was going to go there somewhere early day three. Ends up falling all the way to pick 191. 
one. Even this East, there were some people who really liked Eastern Miss, Michigan edge Jose Ramirez as well. I was a fan of Payne Dorham. I think he's a really good number two tight end type. They, you know, so so that's a that's an interesting spot there uh, for Payne Dorham. Uh, so a lot of things the Bucks did there that that I thought were really really solid. Uh, I think the questionable decision. I didn't think there was a draft pick that I thought was too questionable in terms of like a reach or anything like that. But I think the questionable decision is not taking a quarterback. Right? They brought in Baker Mayfield. You know, uh, I'm not sure he's going to be the guy that that's going to be the answer there. Uh, you know, so it's one of those things where. I'm surprised they didn't maybe pull the trigger on on the uh, Will Levis, especially when he was still there. Uh, I thought maybe that would have made some sense. But, you know, it looks like they're willing to kind of go into the year here and, and say, okay, we have Baker Mayfield. We'll see what Kyle Trask can offer. I never, I never understood the Kyle Trask pick. I always thought it was way too early. Uh, and, and I'll continue to think he's not an NFL starter. But, you know, I think they're hoping that they catch lightning in a bottle a little bit with Baker Mayfield and, and see what they got for a year or so and, and kind of reassess the quarterback decision down the line there. Uh, but, but I think that's what they're kind of hoping for there. So if I was going to rank favorite drafts, I really like this division as a whole. I, I can go through and, and really make a strong case that I liked a lot of, of these moves. I would say I'd have to say Carolina is my favorite because I did like all five of their picks. Uh, I thought DJ Johnson was a slight reach, but I like the other four players a lot. I like them getting their quarterback. So I'd say Carolina one. I'd say Atlanta two. Other people might be down on what Atlanta did, but I really like the B. John, the Bergeron, and the Clark Phillips picks. And I understand the Zach Harrison pick. Uh, so I would say Atlanta two. I would say then I would probably say, I think I'm going to say Tampa Bay three because I love Kalaja Kansi and I love Cody Mock and I had no other issues with their other picks. I thought they didn't reach. I thought they got decent value or took guys where they should have. So I would say Carolina one, Atlanta two, Tampa Bay three, and then the Saints four. And listen, the Saints, I, I, I still think they had a pretty good draft. I didn't love the Breezy pick. Remember, they were giving away draft capital last year uh, to get two first-round picks last year. Didn't love that process, uh, but I do think they had some interesting pieces here as well, uh, but they would come in fourth for me. But I really do like, I think you can rank these in a lot of different ways. If you if you have concerns about Bryce Young, I could see you not having Carolina one. I could see Atlanta, if you're really worried about the positional value stuff, I could see people having Atlanta at three or four. I liked what they did. I, I liked what they've kind of created there with, with that, that run game, and that's their philosophy right now and and they're going to give Desmond Ritter every chance to start and and I love the Clark Phillips pick and I really like the Bergeron pick and Bijan to me was was one of the true blue chippers in this draft class so getting him at eight I, I totally understand so that was a really strong overall draft for the NFC South I think every team improved themselves it'll be interesting to see kind of how that division unfolds it could be one of those divisions that the first one to eight or nine wins wins that division and I don't think, I think it's hard to know, you know, who that team could be right now. If I was picking, I'd pick Atlanta right now, but, but I think it's really up for grabs in, in terms of how that goes. If Bryce Young is, is good right off the bat, Carolina could be in the mix. Maybe the Saints can bounce back and, and if Carr plays well, you know, they could be in it. But so I, I think it's kind of wide open. I don't think Tampa, I, I'd be surprised if Tampa's in the mix, but I do think Saints, Panthers, uh, and Falcons all in the mix there to win that division. Guys, if you're enjoying these recap pods, please get over to the website, SS Football, the fastest and quickest way to get there. 
it is still not too late to check out the premium content tab and check out the premium notebooks for $9.99. You get access to all of our premium content. You get the rankings notebook, which has my dynasty rookie rankings updated just about every couple of days. I, I look through it and move things kind of I, what I'm doing in terms of my drafts and stuff like that. I just did 2023 IDP dynasty rookie rankings. Uh, we have my draft rankings that were just based on film. We have our Devi rankings and then soon to be updated with everything that happened in free agency and the draft, our positional overall dynasty rankings. So I will take into account all the rookies that just got drafted, plus all the movement in free agency, and I will update those tabs uh, in the near future as well. You get the scouting notebook, 100 detailed player profiles, and then you also get the uh, draft projections notebook. And while the draft is come and gone, there is 400 players worth in there, snapshot of how they win, their strengths, some developmental or concerning areas. So a lot of information there. If you're somebody that needs some snapshots on players for IDP, I think the Draft Projections Notebook is a great resource. If you're still catching up on, on teams on players that your team's drafted or UDFA prospects after rookie mini camps, they're probably in there as well. You can get information on, on just about almost 400 players uh, as well. All of it for $9.99. Best way to support the show and help us continue to do what we do here at Saturday to Sunday. Uh, we will continue with these recap pods. We have three more to go before we kind of turn the page uh, to some other stuff here, draft-related. Remember, we will stay on the draft and all things from this draft basically until sometime in early July. We'll start to turn the page a little bit, but we're going to cover this from every single angle possible. Uh, so all of May, all of June will be dedicated to talking about this draft, talking dynasty, talking fantasy, bringing guests on to kind of recap what they thought of the draft, favorite fits, favorite first year, you know, breakouts in terms of who who can seamlessly make the transition, favorite drafts, least favorite drafts, and so many guests from the industry set up as well. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, Thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.